Okay, how are you, everybody? Good morning. Good to see you. Whew, this was a long morning. <laughs> I just literally got here. Um, so uh, just not feeling well this week and, um, and just got in here. But, um, but I'm so glad to be here. I know this is exactly where, where I'm supposed to be. I do have one quick correction. Also, thank you, Jose, for that prayer. That really, we needed it. Uh, we need to start off certainly that way. Uh, but uh, the dream night is actually at uh, Margaret's house, and we will have directions for you. Uh, if you RSVP, we'll have directions for you there. Now, um, the stream night, really, it's if you've given a dollar, it doesn't matter. Every single, whatever, the amount is totally and completely irrelevant. It's the fact that you're saying, I'm going to invest in this ministry because I would like to see this ministry here in Dana Point. So I'm going to invest in it. Uh, with my time, with my efforts, with my finances, I'm going I'm to invest in it. So if you've, in, if you've ever given anything to this church, you are invited. And I'd really love to see you there to thank you. Uh, we will have either Pastor Chris uh, or Moses there to uh, kind of talk to you about what we're going to experience in the next calendar year. It's going to be a lot of exciting things. Um, it could have a, um, well, I can't say it right now, but there's some really cool things, exciting things. And uh, we'd love to have you there to, to kind of give you some, some sneak peeks in the next year. So um, uh, I just want, are, are you guys into going to that? Are you guys, you want, do you want to do that? Yeah? All right, great. I hope you do, because it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, guys, this, this, this series is extremely draining. It is very exhausting. It's very hard uh, to prepare for. Um, it's tough, because we're talking about things like anxiety and depression. And when you talk about these things, the enemy does not want us to go there. Because the enemy wants to keep you into, in, an, in an anxious state. The enemy wants to keep you depressed. The enemy wants to keep you uh, locked up in some closet somewhere. And the enemy wants you to be phony and fake and wear a lot of masks. Just to pretend everything is okay when really it's not. The enemy does not want you to really be known. So when you go into this area, you're going to get attacked for sure. For sure. Because God has something to say about this. So whenever we're going through uh, anxiety, depression, anything like that, know that you're never intended to do this by yourself. We are going to do this together, collectively as a family. We get this, biologically, we get this from, from, from birth, really. Uh, we've always been this way, right? We've always been relational beings. Uh, you know, it's funny. My girls, they, uh, they have bunk beds, but they actually don't sleep in their bunk beds. We put them to bed. And then when I check on them before I go to sleep, I see this. They get in the other one's bed. And if you look closely, they're actually holding hands. There is something at that age, even understanding, I, this is secure. I need somebody else. I don't want to be by myself. They're in the same technical bed, because it's like this, but they want to be actually together because there's a security in that. And they understand that already. That is, that, well, that is why we are meant uh, to be in connection with other people. We try to forget this as we grow up. So you'll hear things like, well, school's real busy right now. I got a lot of schools crazy, but, you know, once it's all over and I graduate, then I'll have some time. And then you go, well, you know, work's really busy right now, but once it settles down, then I'll have some more time. Well, the kid's schedule is really crazy right now, but once that settles down, I'll have some more time. And what you're doing is you're denying yourself relationships that you need to have. You know, some of, some of us, uh, even, you know, a lot of times Christians will say this, and we've talked about this before. Well, I've seen this on, on Facebook, and I know that people mean well when they say this, but they say, well, you know, God's all I need. 
God is all I need. It sounds nice, but it's just not true. It's not true. God would disagree with you. Why? Because when he created Adam, he said, it's not good for you to be alone. So he created Eve. Now, Adam said, I'm not alone. I got you. But God said, it's not good for you to be alone. I want to create a partner for you. We are supposed to do life together. That's how he set it up. <clears throat> we, all have, we all want to have friends, people we connect with, feel safe with, belong with, and contribute something to, but not really a want. It's a need. It's a need. Loneliness is one of the primary causes of anxiety and depression. Humans are really only successful when they're interconnected and interdependent. When we are communal, we are, we are a communal or tribal species. This is, this is how we're wired, this is, which is why our cortisol levels spike when you are lonely. In fact, feeling intensely lonely is documented as being just as stressful on the body as being attacked physically. So when you're lonely, there's actually a pain that is associated. People doesn't just affect you. You're not supposed to be alone. Disconnection from other people doesn't just affect you emotionally. It affects you biologically. Cortisol is the stress chemical that produces in us a sort of hypervigilance, causing us to scan our environment and social situations for potential threats because we unconsciously know nobody is looking out for us. Nobody cares. Nobody will help us. And this fries our circuits long-term, causing us to shut down socially and be suspicious of any interaction, taking offense even, when, even where none was intended, becoming fearful of strangers and trusting no one. Long-term loneliness produces uh, pessimism and paranoia in us, making us less likely to be around other people or for people to want to be around us, which contributes to more loneliness, and it's a vicious cycle. So when you're standoffish... You know, you don't trust anybody. You don't develop any relationships. You know, um, my grandfather was a brilliant businessman, brilliant. Uh, he started with nothing, and he ended up making an enormous amount of money, buying up tons of property. But unless you talked business, he wasn't interested in what you had to say. And my grandmother was the opposite. She was like this sweet little lady, and she was the best cook ever, and the house always smelled so good from her cooking. And he subconsciously knew, you're actually here to see her, I know. So I'm not even going to really even attempt to talk to you. And it's kind of sabotaging any conversations already. Because he's like, you're not really here for me. So he was a little bit cranky. And, and people, you know, they really weren't able to connect with him. So in other words, disconnection always spirals into, spirals into more disconnection. And it becomes harder and harder to tunnel out, leading to more hopelessness, anxiety, and depression. Now, this is important. You might want to write this down or take a picture of this. The only cure for disconnection is connection. The only cure for disconnection is connection. You cannot be cured from disconnection by a pill or any other substance. It's got to be by connecting with others face-to-face. -face. This, this, this kind of connection digs us out of depression, and we, we need to see each other face-to-face, -face, smell, touch, hear one another. It's our biology, and we can't escape it. Yet we fill our schedules to avoid it. You know, parents, what we're teaching our kids right now, more than ever, is to be busy. We are literally teaching them how to be busy. So when we have kids right now, what do we got going on? It's not good enough to just go to school. No, we're in Orange County. You got to be in karate, dance, gymnastics, soccer, baseball, football, you know, hockey, whatever other sport you can come up with, and all of that ends up dominating their week. 
So they've got tutors, they've got speech class, they've got karate, they've got gym, they've got all of these things, and what we're teaching them is to be busy. Stay busy. How are you supposed to develop any real relationships when you're constantly going from one practice to another? And I hear this a lot from parents. I hear it a lot. I just want my kids to have the best. I want them to have it all. I, I, I think what they really need, and, and, and in fact, I know what they really need, and, I, and this is a discipline that Melanie and, ha, and I have, but what, honestly, they need is God. They need to understand who God is in their life. Otherwise, they look at God as some sort of a Santa Claus. If I get sick, I'll talk to him. If I get into trouble, I'll talk to him. Are you connected to any real church? I have no time. I've got all these other things i got to do. And the parents say, well, well I'm just, I want to give my kids everything I didn't have. Give them a foundation in God. Because this right now isn't working. How do I know? Because 72% of married couples in Orange County are divorced. We are one of the busiest counties in America, and we have the, one of the highest divorce rates in America. So if we're saying, well, we want the best for our kids, we're clearly not doing it right. We need to give them something strong, a foundation that they are not going to be alone and not just in a sporting environment. Look, I got nothing against sports. I love sports. Our girls are in gymnastics and dance, and I love it. But there's got to be making sure that church is not the thing that suffers from it or a relationship with God. Now, I know a lot of times that if this becomes really, really easy. Um, yeah, I'm just going to go for it. So... Um, what happens a lot of times that I hear is, uh, I've asked people this before, and we've talked about this a little bit before, but we want our churches to be a drive through church. That's what we want. How am I supposed to make all these other things with my kids and me and my family and my wife and all these other people, how am I supposed to make all these other appointments and still be expected to go to church? I got it. Online church. This is brilliant. Listen, I don't want to cause any problems for people that listen to this on, on podcasts or anything like that, but I'm sorry. Online church isn't church. Sorry, it's not. It's great to have that as a resource if you can't make it to church. Some people in our church family love this church family, but they're, they're not feeling well this morning. Or they've got things that they've already planned for a while and they're out. Or there's a lot of other things. that the, I, If I wasn't teaching, I wouldn't be here today. So there's times where you're, you just can't make it. I get it, no problem. But what the danger is, is we go online church, is that's now my church. You're not connected with anybody. You are receiving a message, but you're not connected to anybody. I could watch the Rams play on, on today at 1 o'clock as we beat the Steelers. <laughs> but it doesn't mean I'm on the Rams. I'm watching it, but I'm not on the team. You've got to be connected. Satan wants to keep you busy and disconnected. And he will say whatever. And he will give you whatever lie. You know, I get it. It's coming to church isn't always easy. Like I said, if I wasn't teaching, I don't think I could make it this morning. I was really hurting last night. But then when I'm here, I know there's no place else I'm supposed to be. This is exactly where I'm supposed to be. With the people that I'm supposed to be with. Now, it's always been this way. When we go through things, we've got to go through things together. And, and the church was set up for that reason. The church was not set up to tell people what to do. The church was not set up to judge people. The church was not set up to be part of any one political party or another. The church was set up to be. was Paul. And we're going to recap it. Now, the one who really started this from the get-go was Paul. And we're going to recap a quick passage from Paul, uh, from Corinthians, about Paul uh, right now. 2 Corinthians 
We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experience in the province of Asia. We are under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raised the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Now this is where, where Paul, he's in Ephesus, this is where he writes the Corinth letters. And then what separates this from the last time he was in trouble, he's been falsely accused of stuff before. He's been falsely imprisoned before. But before he had Silas. And last time he was in prison, he was singing songs with Silas. But this time he's by himself. This changes the whole dynamics of, the, of what he's saying. In short, it's not what you're going through, but who you're going through it with that makes the biggest difference. This, uh, this weekend is Veterans, Veterans Day weekend. And I really, really hope you could join me in not making this just a three-day weekend. There's a reason why we have a day set aside for our veterans. There's a reason for this. That's because they put their lives on the line for me and for you. I'm up here. I'm not worried about getting arrested. I'm not worried about getting in trouble. Because brave men and women said, you know what, I'll go, I'll go and protect your freedoms. Even the people that talk bad about and, 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 and uh, uh, protest against them, they're saying, I'm still going to protect your freedoms too. Now, I'm a history junkie. I love history, uh, and I love World War II history. It's so fascinating to me, all the players, all these great, uh, interesting leaders at one time are together, which is so fascinating. Um, pure evil leaders and, and strategists and all these people, they're all in the same time. And I, and I watched uh, Band of Brothers, and I've watched some other um, documentaries on, on veterans from World War II, and they were literally going through hell on earth. I mean, they saw the worst of the worst of the worst. And every time they were asked, how did you get through it? They said, I had my guys with me. They were not alone. They had someone with them to go through hell on earth. Why do you think it's such an incredibly difficult adjustment with the pick of Vietnam, World War II, uh, Persian Gulf, uh, Afghanistan? Why is it so hard for when these guys get back that they have a hard time adjusting? Because they don't have those band of brothers anymore. They just went through hell on earth, and they don't have those band of brothers anymore. Right now in Los Angeles County alone, there are 11, over 11,000 veterans that are homeless. They had a hard time coming back because they don't have those connections anymore. That's something that uh, I don't know how, but I want our church to be part of some of that solution. Maybe, when, uh, maybe I'll run for Congress and fix that out. You're going to vote for me? Okay. <clears throat> this uh, uh, just makes me so mad when I see uh, these people putting it all on the line for us and, uh, and they're just being treated so poorly. So please, if you see anybody, in fact, if you've ever been in the military, can you please stand up so we can just say thank you to you? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Now, um, this is true in Paul's day as well. Like I said, he was imprisoned with Silas, but uh, even though he was imprisoned before, he was laughing and singing and everything, but, you know, uh, he had somebody with him. He never went on missionary journeys by himself. He always took somebody with him. 
But the, the, at this time in the Ephesian prison, he was alone, isolated, and disconnected. But you don't have to be in a prison cell to experience this. In fact, you don't have to be alone to suffer from loneliness. There's a low correlation between objective connections and perceived connections. A lot of us are surrounded by others at work, home, school, even church, but still feel completely alone, disconnected, like we don't deeply matter to anyone in any real way. As it turns out, to end loneliness, you don't need other people plus something else. You also need to feel you're sharing something that's meaningful to both of you, that you have common ground, and that you're invested in or excited about the same thing. You have to be in the trenches together and feel like you both have each other's backs. The point is having common ground, a uniting goal. As I was preparing for this message, I was talking to God, saying, what do you want me to say about this? And at that point, I just have to tell you that I apologize. Um, I've been not a very good leader in this way. And, uh, and God showed me that. And the reason why is, is when, if you're just visiting us today, you're going to see something very unique at the end of this service. You're going to see everybody get up and pick up their chair and put it away. I've never seen that before at a church where everybody just starts putting things away. And I've, never, I've never asked you to do it. You just started doing it. The problem is, is that several of you have said, hey, I'm, help, I'm here to help, and I never have given you anything to do. Partly because I just want you to come and enjoy church and have fun and enjoy being here so you'll feel connected and, and enjoy it. But the problem is, is that I'm depriving you of one of the things that gets us connected the most, and that is serving. Jesus modeled connections by serving. He did not model connections by saying, is everybody cozy? He said, let's make sure that we're doing this together, that we're locking arms together. You know, it's not just about getting stuff done, guys. It's not like, well, there's some things that I don't want to do, so, hey, can you help me with this? It's all of us coming together and saying, what do you need? This is clearly a family, clearly. And this family constantly is like, what do you need? I think we're good. But actually, we're not. We're not. I haven't told anybody this, but for the past couple of weeks, I've been do loading and unloading all this stuff with a torn. Because we heard we've almost killed Cappy twice with the stage. And last week, Billy couldn't even walk because we hurt him. He beat up so bad from setting up stuff. And we're not good. Uh, Darren and, and, and Andrew do the best job they can with tech. But Darren had to cancel his plans today. Uh, he had plans, but he, we have no other volunteer for that in tech. You know, Melanie's done slides ever since we started. Same people doing the same things. You know, uh, a Nana, I love seeing Nana in church today, but this is probably the second or third time she's been in church because she's been with the kids all the time. Do we have absolute uh, a, a needs, specific needs? Yes, we do. If you want to get trained on tech, we could really use help on tech. Give Darren a break. Uh, slides. Give Melanie a break. Um, you know, set up. If you want to get here at 8 o'clock, help us set up. You know, um, let us know. You have those cards. You could put it down on that card. Um, but we can't have the same people doing the same things. And I take responsibility for that because I never told you those were needs. You have no idea those were needs. You just keep going along, and I'm, you had no idea. The thing of it is is that when you serve together, you become deeper connected. You know, Billy and, and Cappy, they get here very early, and they set up all the carpet squares, and they actually set up all the chairs, uh, and they set up the stage that I'm standing on, and all these, they do all that stuff. And they didn't really know each other before we started here. They knew of each other. They've seen each other. This week, Cappy became a grandfather. 
And he texted his pastor, and the other person he texted was Billy. Why? Because they're serving together. Because they're starting to, to develop that bond together because they're in the trenches together. We are not here to just come to church and watch the show. We're here to be a part of this family. This morning, I, I didn't sleep at all last night. I finally fell asleep at 5 o'clock, and I slept about 45 minutes. I sent Cappy and Billy a message, and this is literally what Cappy said. Just make sure you are there because I'm not going to teach. <laughs> Your church family loves you, and you'll get that today. Show up when you show up. We got this. And then Bill right after said, oh, man, we got you on this. Sleep well. If need be, we could just extend worship. I'm saying, Michael, Michael, Michael yeah. <laughs> Point is, I serve with these guys. I know these guys. I'm in it with these guys. They're in it with me. We are in this together. I would love to encourage you to um, think about and pray about where can, you, where can you be. And if you want to know specific needs, tech, slides, kids, setup. Those are some really specific needs we can, and you could put that on the card and we give you all the information, but I want to make sure that we're doing this together. Now, why is it so important, again, to do all of these things together? When you're doing these together, it becomes about we and not me. There's a very good example of this. Sports is usually a terrific example of this, and if you look at the biggest upset in sports history, you'd, uh, you don't have to look any further than the 1980 U.S. hockey team from Lake Placid. Now, I'm going to paint you a little picture of this team. Uh, the Soviet team was so good, they had not lost a game in like 18 years or something crazy. And they had just beaten the NHL All-Stars. The NHL All-Stars, the Soviet team, just beat them. We had a bunch of college kids from just all these random colleges. And uh, they just got together to, to, to get a common goal. Herb Brooks was the coach of that team. And he just said, I'm going to bring you guys together, and we're going to unite for a common goal. And they did. And really what happened truly was a miracle. Check this out. That team had no business winning that. But they came together, and they did a, they, literally a miracle. Now, if that is, and we're going to get to that in a second, if that was uh, hockey, if that was a sports team, what do you think God wants to do with his church? That's a hockey game. That's a game. 
This is his church. He wants us to come together and unite for a common goal. You know, it's customary that, um, that when you do get that medal, the podium is, is to the point where there's only room for one person. And uh, the captain was Mike, uh, Mike Ruzioni. And uh, he was there to get the medal. But he had called his team to get, receive the medal with them. And that is an entire hockey team on that tiny little podium. <laughs> Why? Because these guys went through the trenches together. They did it together. They did it together. Guys, one day, one day this church is going to meet in a permanent facility. One day this church is going to grow to multiple services. One day we, we, we will not be here anymore. We'll be in a church that we call um, uh, our permanent location. One day that will happen. But when that day comes, you and I are going to look at each other and we're going to say, do you remember the carpet squares? Do you remember rolling in that TV? Do you remember setting up that stage every week? Do you remember those days? Friends, God could give us a giant building tomorrow like that. He's God. He could do anything. Why are we starting like this? Why? Because he wants you to get to know each other. He wants to keep this small so you can get to know each other. As it, as it grows and as it grows, more relationships grow. He doesn't want just a rock concert where a bunch of people come in, they don't know each other, and a bunch of people leave. He wants to make sure that we're starting something real. Every carpet score we're doing or the speaker or doing all we are doing this together. So yes, one day we won't be doing all this stuff. But we will never forget where we were in this part of the history of our church. Now, there is another side to this, this coin. We all have a sense of need to belong, but... Belonging is such a big deal, we'll take it anywhere we can get it, even if it's a place that isn't healthy, beneficial, or moral. We see this so much with teenagers and students, and before we beat up teenagers and students, let's remember that we were once teenagers and students, and we made our share of mistakes, and we did our share of things that weren't right. But right now, just like any generation, kids want to fit in. Uh, do you like dressing like, do you really like dressing like that? No, but that's what helps them accept me. Do you really want to drink that or smoke that? No, but if I do that, they'll accept me. Do you like that music? No, but if I do that, they'll accept me. And there is such a desire to be accepted that they will literally change whatever it is that they have, their morals, their, their beliefs, whatever. It doesn't matter. I'll change it all, but I have to be accepted. I have to be connected with this. They're trying to fill some void. Parents, if you've got teenagers and you're not paying attention to them, I guarantee you they're going to fill that void with someone else or something else. I promise you. Make sure that you are giving them that time. You ever wonder why you sometimes talk to your, you know, you think, why is that person still in that terrible relationship? Why would anybody want to be in a gang? Why would somebody join a cult? Why would somebody do something illegal? Loneliness will drive us to do desperate things. The cure for loneliness is not just to be with someone. That's why belonging to a church family is real. And that's why this church is so important. That's why belonging to a church family is so important. Guys, when you're filling out your schedules for the week, don't let church be the first thing to go. Don't. It's too important. Nothing else matters more than this. 
Do, am I against uh, sports? Like I said, no. Am I against you having your own day? No. Have that. That's great. You should. Please do. That's, that shows you're healthy. But don't let church be the thing to go. Make sure that you are connected to what God wants to do. But Jose's right. This is not me saying this stuff. I'm not Jesus. This isn't my church. It belongs to God. He wants to tell you something. 1 Corinthians says this. Just as a body through the, the one has many parts, but all its part, many parts are from one body, so it is with Christ. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. So that there should be no division in the body, but that, is part, that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part is honored with it. And the church has been the, called the body of Christ, but it's not just about what we're doing together. It's about what doing it together does for us. Like we talked about serve, uh, serving together. So yes, anxiety and depression our brain chemistry problems, and much like there's nothing wrong with taking medication for high blood pressure, there's nothing wrong with taking medication for high cortisol or low serotonin. And there ought not to be no, any guilt, shame associated with either, but pills alone are not the best prescription. Pills treat symptoms, not root problems. They help you manage, not overcome. As it turns out, people don't need to be drugged as much as they need to be together. You don't just need more pills to numb the pain. That's a stopgap, a temporary survival solution. You need connection. You need community. You need camaraderie, friendship, intimacy, accountability. You need to be known. Bottom line is we need each other. Now think about this for a second. We are the first humans in history to ever actively dismantle our tribes. And we are the most anxious and depressed generation of humans who have ever lived. There is a correlation to this. The busier we're getting, the more we load our calendar, the worse we are getting. In 1985 to 1994, active involvement in community organizations fell by 45%. That was pre-internet, so it's way lower now. In a multi-generational study in which people were asked how many confidants they had in the early 1970s, the most common answer was four. In the mid-2000s, the standard answer changed to zero, and it has not changed since. When we use the word home today, we're talking about a building we live in, but at any other time in history, it was the community of people you got through life with. That's why we call a church family, a church home. It's about a community of people you're doing life with. We do things together less than any other humans who came before us, and no wonder our cortisol levels are through the roof. No wonder we're stressed and depressed. Satan loves loneliness, friends. He does. He's, when you're lonely, he's got you exactly where he wants you. But he also wants you busy, too. He wants you to do anything it takes to focus away from what God wants to do to your, with your life. God has got something for you, and he says, if I keep you busy or I keep you lonely, I've got you where I want you. The enemy definitely wants to keep you isolated from church because you're going to hear that that's not true. Here are some things that he's going to tell you that are not true. You'll always have this struggle or this sin. You'll always have it. You'll always have it, so you're just worthless. You'll never get better. You'll always be depressed. Life would be better without you in it. Church is a waste of time. That pastor doesn't know how loaded your schedule is. Who is he to say anything? When the kids grow up, uh, then you could do the whole church thing. My family needs me. True, but why is the church the first thing to go? You'll always be alone. Nobody really cares. They're just saying that to be nice. I know I'm worthless. You'll never have a family. You'll never have children. Your children will never want to be around you. 
You'll be alone for the holidays because nobody cares. People annoy me. I'll never be married, and my family will never get better, so why even try? Friends, those are lies the enemy's going to tell you when you're alone. Those are lies the enemy's going to tell you when you're busy and your guard is low. And they are just that. They are lies. We need to be reminded of that. Guys, why is church so important to all of this thing? Like Jose was saying, it's not a show. This is where we could literally stop and just get connected with God. That we just focus on what he's saying or what he wants to say to us. Some of you in this room and some of us in this room have believed these lies. Now, do you ever wonder when the Bible says, wherever two or more are gathered, I am there. Do you ever wonder what that verse means? Does that mean when you're praying to God in your bed or in the shower or in the car, he's not there? Is that what it means? No, no. Here's what it means. Let me give you an idea of what it means. Wherever two or more are gathered, I am there. Why is that important? Because these are lies. They're not, he can't speak through you. God is using me to tell you these are lies. They're not true. They're not true. He's using me to tell you that. But you know what? I am not some holy general. I am in it with you. He could do the same with you. He wants to do that with you. And so whenever you say wherever two or more are gathered, he's saying, I've got something to tell you. Get together with this person so you could hear that I love you, that you are worth everything, that I gave everything for you. It's hard to hear that when you're disconnected from a church family, when you come whenever you, you know, once in a blue moon. I'm not judging you, but I'm saying I love you. You need this connection, this camaraderie, this, this community, this family. And if you're saying, well, this isn't really my church, then go to another one and be connected to that one. But you got to get connected. It's too important. It's too important. Wherever two or more are gathered, I am there. They, he wants to talk to you right now through me, through our, you, through each other, through the person sitting next to you. He's got a word for you. And right now his word is, I don't want you to be alone. I didn't make you to be alone. I love you. And all the things that the enemy is going to try to tell you, he's a liar. And I've got something for him. I will take care of him. You watch. I don't want to be safe. Yikes. God's got him. And uh, our dad wins. So, when I was um, thinking about how I wanted to end this message, I just thought, what is it, what must it be like for God to see his kids together? And the only thing I can think about is my kids. When, um, when I dropped off the girls on Friday to school, uh, one of them is very gregarious and outgoing, but the other one is very reserved. And um, she was going to sing the school song on Friday for the Pledge of Allegiance. So um, uh, her class was going to. So one of them got in line and she started talking to other kids. And the other one sat there and she was just playing with her shoelaces. And there was a, it was two girls playing patty cake on this side of her. And there was two girls playing patty cake on that side of her. And she was looking at her shoelaces. And I knew she wanted to connect with them so bad. But she wouldn't look up. And then finally a girl came by that she, I knew she knew. And I'm looking at it from a distance. And I see this girl walk by. And, 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 and my little girl looks up. And my little girl waves. And the girl didn't see her and just kept walking by. And my little girl went back down to looking at her laces. And I wanted her so badly to go up and say, no, no, you don't understand. She's a really fun little girl. She tells jokes. She knows magic tricks. She's funny. She likes all the movies you like. She likes to play. She would be so fun to play with. 
I wanted to intervene so bad. But she has to figure this out. She has to want to do that. Because I'm not always going to be there. Now, guys, God has brought you here to this church, not by a, a cosmic trick or an accident or anything like that. He's saying, I want you to be connected. He knows every one of you. He created every one of you. He said, you should see the way this person is. You're going to love this person. You should see this person. You're going to love it. Get together. Start talking. When we have events, guys, I'll be honest with you, Tamara and I would be okay if we didn't have to plan any of them because they are a lot of work. The, you know, when we do uh, bonfires or, or movie nights or even this event that we're having coming up, Dream Night, they take a lot of time and effort. Show up. Show up. Can I get an amen? Show up because we're doing it for you. We're not doing it to show you what great party planners we are. We're doing it so that you can talk to each other while you're here. It's flattering to think that you're here to hear me teach. That's flattering. Thank you. That's not why you're here. You are here to connect with each other. Does that make sense? What does God want? He wants you to be known. He wants you to connect with each other. Now, I mentioned that uh, this, this uh, bench uh, uh, at the girls' school buddy bench, and, um, and I want you to see it. This is for kids that don't have anybody to play with. They sit on that bench with the hopes that a kid will come up and want to play with them. And I'm going to end this service with the wisdom of this bench. Because at the end of the day, this bench is why we are at church. You can learn everything I just taught you from your own reading in scripture. And you could Google it. You could try to research this like I did all week. But you can learn it on your own. This is why we're at church. And it says this. The best way to make a friend is to be a friend. The best way to make a friend is to be a friend. Get out of your circles, guys. And if you're thinking, well, man, but I've got my life's really screwed up. Well, so is ours there too. Everybody's got stuff. So form your emotional state. The key isn't to avoid suffering. It's to surround yourself with people we're suffering with. Because the point is togetherness. Let's, uh, let's end it on this message here, passage here. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 5. Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the suffering of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. Life is messy, but we need each other. Do you ever wonder why Christmases and Easter's are so great for churches? Because it's the first time, or it's the one of the few times, that the entire church family says, we're going to church. We're going to church. And when you see the entire church family there together, there is something so special about that. Let's not make it just Christmas and Easter. Let's commit to doing this every week. Let's do that together. Um, you all have a connection card, um, and I would like for you to, to hold it. I'm going to say a prayer right now, and we're going to end service. But you all have a connection card. My goal is to get 100% of these connection cards back. You could put your favorite football team. You could put together what you like on your pizza. You could put a prayer request. You could put uh, how much you like Hawaiian shirts. Whatever it is you want to put, I don't care. But get in the habit of writing this down. Why? Because it's a way that I can connect, we can connect with each other. Uh, uh, you want to serve in tech or, or slides or with kids uh, or with setup, you could put that down. 
Um, you want to, um, uh, more information on the turkey trot, we're going to be running a 5K at 9.30. You can put turkey trot. But put something down so that we can connect to each other. If I don't have your email, I send an email every week. Put your email down. It's not to spam you at all, but it's my way of saying, hi, how's your week going? And I love when I get responses. I love it. I respond to every single one of them. So if I don't have your email, write your email down. So when I, we send the emails out during the week, you know, we, could, we can make sure that we're, uh, we're connecting with each other. Guys, this message has been very, very hard for me to do, but it's a necessary one. Um, the enemy does not want you to be healthy from this, um, but God is saying that. I've got something for you, and um, you're here for a reason. I'm committed to being your pastor if you're committed to making church family. I can't do this by myself, guys. We need to do this together. And when I'm feeling anxious or when I'm feeling down, I know this is exactly where I need to be. Why? Because this is my family. And the reason why I'm looking at all of you is I want to make sure that I know all my faces here in my family. We're going to do some amazing things together. And we're never, ever going to forget this time in our history. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much, God, for the people that are in this room. Father, if there's somebody new that's checking it out, um, Father, thanks for bringing them. Thanks for having them come in. Jesus, we know that the, uh, the enemy right now is, wants us to be enslaved in depression and anxiety. We know the enemy wants to keep us away from other people that are going to speak truth into our lives. We know the enemy wants to keep us busy and telling us, making all sorts of excuses why we don't need church or to, to have quiet time with you or to get in your word. But Father God, we just know that if we just focus on you, that you've got something very important to tell us. You're going to use your word, but you're also going to use the people that are in this church, God. Father, if I could teach your word, and if, I, if you could use me, you can use anybody. So please, Father, help nobody in this church right now to feel disqualified or not good enough or not know enough. Because at the end of the day, God, you are the one that's choosing to use us. Father, you have something very special for us, and we're excited to see it unravel in this family. Thank you for this family, and I thank you for them lifting me up when I'm tired and not feeling well. And, uh, Father, I just thank you in advance for what you're going to continue to do in the coming weeks. For all those that are listening on the podcast to this service, God, just help them know that they are loved, they are missed, and we can't wait to see them next week. It's in your name. Amen.